0: Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. We caught that tiger by its toe. We made them holler. We made them pay. And next on tap, the big green wave. We've got the good chef joining us.
1: How you doing tonight, chef? What's going on, my friend Bob Trollsby? The host of Cocaine Willie. How was, how was the trip? How was the trip? I already started
0: with the poem, so I'll just, uh, you know, Aww. we'll edit it together.
1: Dude, but. I cannot wait to hear that thing. I know it's, <laughs> I know it's elite. I know it's elite. But sp- it's speaking fun. of elite, a trip to Manhattan has never failed me. And this one was by far the best fun I've ever had. In a monsoon, it didn't matter, dude.
0: I love that. Did, did you two get to meet in person? Fireball,
2: Matt! Let's go, fireball, let's fireball, go. <laughs> fireball, 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 fireball,
3: Matt. Yeah, that's I mean, that's my nickname. Uh, and if you get some fireball on me, you never know what's uh, going on. But I'm glad uh, I was glad to see Chef in person, share a fireball shot with him. And, and even though the weather wasn't like
1: great, um, I, I'm sure he had a great time over in Section 19. Dude, we had too much fun. We end up meeting up with Scott Wildcat from the Boscos Boys, Baller Status Cat, me, the coffee fiend. It was all a good time. I love that. Yeah. I was I was at a wedding
0: in Utah. The liquor laws were super weird. Uh, oh, we no. were I mean, we were trying to buy beers for the after party after the like welcome drinks at Friday night. And You go to the bar and they're like bootlegging us beers because they couldn't officially sell the beers. But it was it was this weird kind of unspoken. Hey, yeah, none of us really like the liquor laws here type of thing. It was very bizarre. There was an after party also after the wedding uh, because it's just a bunch of Brazilian, a bunch of Brazilian people. And they love to party and they love to have after parties after their after parties after the wedding. So it was an incredible wedding. Couldn't have asked for a better wedding. Uh, all things considered, but man, it's good to
1: be back. It's good to be. They're back. gonna have to, They're gonna have to teach me to say "Every man a wildcat" in Portuguese.
0: <laughs> I I might have to ask. I might have to ask.
1: That would be a good. That'd be a good slogan. I'd like to hear that.
0: Well, you you all have already heard it, but I'm joined here with my my trusty sidekicks, a good chef Andre Napier and Fireball Matt Marchesini. Uh, gentlemen, what a big can of whoop ass that was on Saturday. The good guys win forty to six. I'm I'm not gonna say that we won forty to twelve. We won forty to six. I I am not counting that that stupid Dorkwitz, garbage time, untimed down, touchdown. Uh, but that was a very, very, very long game, and I know both of you were were in the thick of that. How how were the vibes there? How was the student section all things considered last week with the stuff with the chant? Sounds like pretty much everything simmered down there. But I I just want kind of y'all synopsis from from being there in person and what your takeaways were. It was elite level
1: vibes. Uh, Matt can attest to that. It was before the rain started coming down in the for the second technically weather delay. It was going to be an elite packed house. They were raucous student section, completely filled up. No chant, thanks to Jerome Tang. He came in, superhero that thing. All you heard was KSU, which was really cool. I mean, we all love the chant. It's It has its place. It's funny. But kept it clean, kept everybody engaged, everybody happy. The rain came down. And like you said, it was a good-fashioned ass-whooping. We, we were in control the entire way from start to finish, weather delay. They didn't know how to handle it. We handled it perfectly. And Matt can attest that it was just what we needed and we we weren't going to let our foot off the gas.
3: I think it's safe to say that the environment was not, it, it was up to the expectations of what you would expect a K-State game to be against an old Big 12 foe. Um, even though the game, I mean, it started 15 minutes late or whatever. Um, we were out there about 7.30, 8 a.m. And I mean, the vibe out there early in the morning, those 11 a.m. kicks are just awesome. And uh, coming into the stadium and um, yeah, just seeing the student environment, you know, if you have a really good student crowd, football, basketball, whatever, um, you want to be confident knowing that that type of environment can keep a team from winning a, a football game or whatever, and uh, they played. They played up to those expectations. So um, I was definitely really pleased. Not the entire environment was great, um, and even despite the rain delay, you know, however long that was, kind of in the second quarter, you know, they still had a good crowd that came back in, and uh, you could tell that the the team fed off of that type of uh, crowd that. That kind of anger uh, or angst against Missouri, and uh, there's no doubt that helped uh, on Saturday.
0: Ace, what are what were some of your takeaways from from the vibes? I know you're in the student section, so I'd love to hear from your perspective. What was it like being a student and and seeing Tang pop in and and kind of get the chant to die down a little bit, but also curious from a student perspective what the delays were like and and glad you know I'm just glad that people kind of stuck around for at least for the most part for. For the entirety of the game
4: yeah i the first thing to, to say about tang is that it from even from the outside looking in you can kind of tell the student section and the students in general love tang when you're on the ground and you're watching it and you're nearby it it, it honestly goes up to another level because you can it, it's it's a mutual respect and it honestly it's a it's a love for both the university that he has and every single student which is it really is amazing And I truly believe that no one could have killed the chant except for Jerome Tang, just because I'm 98% sure that he could convince anyone to do anything. But in terms of the vibes of the student section, it was, it was great. The entire game I was in a, I was in the row. I think I was row eight and uh, also apologies to chef for not meeting you. I completely forgot whenever I was standing out in the rain for, for two hours being locked out of the stadium. So that's my bad there. Maybe another time
1: we probably passed each other probably four or five times, to be honest. And, you know, it's okay, brother. We will meet up again. I was just, I was the guy running around screaming, go home, Mizzou. We're already two and zero. you can just leave now.
4: Oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, the, the, Probably my favorite thing about it was during the rain delay. They were telling everyone to to leave, like, and go back up to the concourse. And there was just a bunch of students who refused to leave. And then we ended up starting a chant that was, like, 150 bottles of beer on the wall. And eventually we got down to zero. And it was... <laughs> the, the student section has a special brotherhood with one another. And it's always awesome to be a part of that.
3: I know the feeling. I remember... Uh... 2009 no yeah 2009 the UCF game I feel like every student will have some type of game where there's a rain delay or some type of weather delay and everybody stays despite our better judgment and um that UCF game I I did the same thing I remember that it was I mean it was awesome despite the fact get it struck by lightning at any point but you know those are the things you have to do to be a Cats fan I guess.
0: We've all, we've all been through it. We've all been through it. Um, Awesome. Well, I think part of, part of this game that one of the takeaways that I had and, and chef you alluded to this before the show when we were chatting a little bit, this is the second straight game of some limited passing yardage. I I don't think he had a passing touchdown if I'm not mistaken. Um, So I'm curious, do we think that this is something we should be concerned about? Is this something that, you know they're gonna crack open the playbook this weekend. They're gonna crap up, crack open, crap open, crack open the playbook next weekend. What what are y'all's thoughts? And I'll start with Chef.
1: I don't think it's really anything that we're limiting or holding back from other people to scout. I think our route trees are relatively simple. We have plays that we haven't used, but I don't think it's necessarily that we're holding it back. The situational play calling has been elite, and nobody's really talked about Colin Klein being able to work with what has been going on. The first game, yeah, you don't really want to put anything on the table when you're in control like you are. But the Missouri game, being there in person, it was a monsoon. I could only imagine that those footballs probably weighed 40 pounds. So having Adrian Martinez try to sling it around for 280 yards, really wouldn't have made any sense. We were controlling the game, dominating on the ground in a monsoon. Why not keep running it? Um, we did get a little cute every once in a while, but when when it was dry, pop passes. Malik Knowles, after on a scramble to the left, Adrian Martinez finds him 16 yards down the field. Um, the Let's not forget that wheel route from – Deuce Vaughn, that was an absolute dart thrown by Adrian Martinez. If it wasn't for a, a somewhat questionable pick play, but that that throwing is there. He's got the arm. He's got the he's got the precision. A couple drops. Let's be honest, by the receivers in a in crappy condition. So I don't think we're holding anything back. I think it's just perfectly situational play calling done by Colin Klein. I think we need to give him credit for that. Do we think there's
0: any opportunity for him to get to that 3000 plus yards in the season category, knowing that the first two games
3: have kind of gone the way that they did? I don't think there's a need to, right? Um, I think we've we've seen some cards dealt these past two games that we can be really, really good running the football in all different facets of that that piece of the offense um i don't feel this team needs a quarterback to throw at 300 yards a game um if he's accurate he makes the right plays you know we have opportunities to get those really you know those chunk plays you know and and move that with the run in the football that's that's our bread and butter at least from what i've seen the past two games um, if we took the thought process that Mizzou did that they have to throw the football down the field in a torrential downpour. We obviously saw how bad that was. Um, And if that's what the coaching staff on their side planned on going into in this game, that's a huge fault to them. Um, I feel like Chris Kleiman, Colin Klein, they put together, they, you know, knowing that there's a potential, it's going to rain, you know, we just need to run the football and we need our offensive line to block. Um, you know, that that's what we need. So it's going to be game by game. I don't think Adrian's going to get 3000 yards this year, but, you know, at the end of the day, if he's able to get, if he's smart with the football and making good plays and it averages 175 yards, 200 yards a game, I think we can all be pleased with that. Cole hop in there. I know you got a comment.
5: Uh, it's, it's mostly just kind of what Matt said. Um, I think the thing we need to remember Is how Colin Klein was just the prodigy of Bill Snyder. I guess you could say, like, no matter what. Like, I think I I don't say we're gonna be disappointed, but I think we need to remember, like, Colin Klein is a Bill Snyder product, like the the most stereotypical Bill Snyder like, well, dude, I guess. So, as Matt said, I don't, like he said, I don't think we're going to need to go over 3,000 yards. With as good of a defense that we have, I think Colin Klein's going to kind of lean back on that Bill Snyder mentality at times where if you just do what you need to do and kind of can control that time of possession, you're going to come out with victories more often than not, especially with as good of a defense that we have.
1: I will say, though, going off of that, He does. He does come from the Bill Snyder tree as a player, but if we go back to his LSU play calling, if we go back to when he was at, I think he was at Northern Illinois, he would sling the ball around. He's not just the necessarily go up there, smash the quarterback twenty seven times. But I think no, no. But it's it's all. But he does have that in him because when the situation calls for it. He can go to that back pocket, like, oh, we can run a quarterback sweep, quarterback draw, right here. Right. Yeah.
5: Like, I don't, I don't, like, he's not gonna go out there and try to get Martinez killed. Like, I just feel like he has the best of both worlds. I would say, like, he he understands the situations. He knows he knows what needs to happen when it needs to happen.
1: It's all about winning. Exactly. And I think I think what we've seen from these first two games, and you could go back to the LSU game. We had the horses in the LSU game. We were a deeper team. They were limited on scholarship. So we ran them out the gym. South Dakota, we needed to hold it back a little bit. We got the best player in the Big 12. Give it to Deuce. Let's get out of here with a dub. Missouri, torrential downpour, like we've all said, situational play calling. Colin Klein gets a gets a notch on his belt for that.
5: Right. I'm, I'm honestly not really worried about like the passing game or tempo or anything like that yet. I, I'm – I'm not worried. Like, we've crushed the first two opponents. When it needs to happen, it'll happen.
2: I think it comes down to preparation. Like uh, Matt was saying earlier, you know, there's a the old saying of fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And both sides show their true colors, you know. Mizzou didn't prepare well. They didn't prepare for the rain. They thought they could just, like Matt said, throw it and sling it. And obviously in pre- – he said there was they had a game plan of if there was a weather delay and it showed so obviously and then with him saying now the 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 players are talking hey let's not get too amped up or too down low let's keep it even keel and um now he's got the players saying that so I think like Kleiman said it's it's now in the players' hands of preparing and know how to prepare for a ball game with the contingency plans of a weather delay, a you know people coming out for targeting or penalties or whatever. So that was my biggest takeaway was who prepared the best, and obviously we did.
0: Ace, I know you've got the shout out to the Aggieville Alley Cats. I, would, I listened to what I could this morning of of the preview. Uh, and the review from Mizzou, but preview for Tulane. Um, curious, some of your thoughts. So you, I know you're more of the, the stats guy here, but we'd we'll love to hear uh, your thoughts on the offense and, and repeat it here for our crowd.
4: Yeah, so I'm not going to lie in that I'm I'm concerned with the passing game, but it's not necessarily me being concerned with the play calling or the quarterback because both of those I see at least being serviceable. The main concern that I've had so far, and I mentioned it on the show, is the lack of rotation and then seemingly the lack of, uh, for want of better term, the lack of pop in the receiver's room. Because we've seen pretty much just the top three and no real rotation. Unless and that it's makes sense. And
0: yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Because it really doesn't feel like we've seen a whole lot of the receiver's with the exception of even, I guess, on special teams, Philip Brooks with the punt return for a touchdown, which I'm sure for those of you who are there, I, I bet that was an electric moment when that did happen. Um, but, yeah, I would I would agree with all of that, Ace. Uh, Jacob, we've got you on here, too. Uh, feel free to pop in, chime in with any opinions that you have on the passing game so far.
6: Yeah, so my um, my thing in the passing game is, I mean, obviously we haven't had to do anything, that, didn't have to do anything the first week, but um, – I think it was from Adrian's uh, press conference. They mentioned how different the conditions of the ball were from drive to drive, play to play. So, I mean, cause they have a few game balls they'll rotate in and they have a few plays where it's dry and then you know it hits the ground and it's soaking wet. So I think it's just them going from even, yeah. So play to play, not really knowing what the ball is going to feel like that you don't really want to, you know, drop a a pass, and a quarterback gets the ball in his hands where, oh, shit, it's five pounds heavier than it was in the last play. So game. I mean, we we did what we needed to do. Um, not too concerned. Although, I think a lot of people are going to be uh, in the same situation after the Tulane game, seeing the the weather projections, especially like thirty mile an hour winds.
0: It's, yeah, it's supposed to be windy, I think, but it, it will be nice and sunny from everything I can tell. So hopefully the ball won't be a waterlogged, but for whatever it's worth, hopefully uh, you know there, there might be some cross. Hopefully there aren't any crosswinds that get in the way of, of us being able to air it out. But I think that might be something that will work to our advantage, to be honest with you, because it seems like that two-lane team, they like to throw it a lot more. And they rely less on their running game as they do on their passing game, from everything that I've gathered. So I'm curious from the from the Tulane guys' perspective if he is able to join. Uh, I would love to hear what he thinks about that, knowing that their passing game might be limited. We've at least seen that our passing game it hasn't really been there all that much for whatever it's worth. So we we are going in with with running backs and. We'll be able to do some more of the check downy type of stuff and get some bigger yardage on it. And I'm, I'm feeling more confident about that going into this game uh, than maybe, maybe I would have just knowing, knowing that the wind might be playing a factor this weekend.
1: I want to, I want to go back to what Ace was saying about the rotation and not necessarily being a lot of pop for the, for the Mizzou game. I think it was more a product of what Chris Kleiman had said in his presser, where you have three guys out there and they're running around, they're doing their thing and not necessarily being able to go to a guy that's been sitting on the sideline in a monsoon, rained on, not really being able to stay warm to go out there and try to run a go route when he hasn't ran all night. I think that's limited. And you're not going to be able to get the explosion from those guys even if they're even if they were on the sidelines, not running play after play. But and it goes back to the South Dakota game because you kind of can go to Thad Ward's philosophy when they talk to him in the spring, where he's not necessarily a rotation guy like Messingham was, where he wants hockey changes, hockey line changes constantly for every every series, every play almost, really, where you're getting three new guys out there every time. He wants his best three receivers out there, and it just so happens that it's Cade Warner, Philip Brooks, and Mark uh, Knowles. So I, I don't know if we'll see R.J. Garcia. He says he's one of the best, but he obviously he's not getting in, and I don't know if it's situational. I, obviously, I think it was situational for the Mizzou game, but R.J. Garcia might be... Just the long line of guys that we've kind of clamored for with the Keenan Garbers and Sebastian Taylors before him and just guy, endless guys that is always that fourth, fifth receiver that we think can pop but might never show up. I'd hate to say that, but I think it might be true.
0: Don't I'll say that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Chef can say whatever he wants to. He's a co-host of the show. Um, that said uh, a couple more topics on last week's game before we pivot over to, uh, our good friend, uh, Kelly, who's joining us from, from the fear, the wave, uh, blog and, and podcast. So we'll, we'll move over to him, uh, momentarily, but I do want to talk a little bit about our offensive line. Our offensive line, uh, was fairly dominant, um, with, without really a whole lot of rotation. I think I saw guys like Carver Willis really only had like single digit snaps, uh, as an example, but um, want to go around the horn real quick, talk a little bit about the offensive line. Then we'll pivot to some of the turnover stuff in the defense before we move on to special
1: teams. Chef, I'll, I'll start, start it up. Off. Yeah. I mean, the, the no rotation, I think we talked about just a second ago, Chris Kleiman doesn't want to really go out there and put a 300 a pounder that hasn't moved around all day to try to go move a warm body on the Mizzou side. So I think he, as much as we want to rotate, and as much as Taylor Porte's injury hurts the rotation, I think it was just a factor of not being able to rotate. But those guys that were out there, they moved the line of scrimmage. They got up to the second level where not necessarily they made a block up there, but they got to that second level, goddammit. And Deuce, he was – Held in check sometimes, but it was never a four yard loss. It was never a stuffed at the line of scrimmage. It's always a two yard gain. He's always hitting the back of Hayden Gillum and pushing forward. Or he's gonna find that crease and he's gonna go. I, I'd like to hear what Matt has to say because he you know he's a big O line guy. And <laughs> I I wanna hear what he's got to say for our right our new right guard.
3: <laughs> so at the end of the day, if you have an offense that's averaging about five and a half yards a carry, that's a pretty good formula. um, If you can get, you know, on average, 11 yards on two plays running the football Um, that's indicative of not just the talent that we have with deuce of course, and um, Adrian. And I mean, even DJ Giddens, he had a couple, a couple rushes, but obviously had that touchdown run at uh, fourth quarter um, but the offensive line, despite Taylor's injury, really looks like a cohesive unit as we go into the two lane game and we start big 12 play. The the, the key thing, of course, as we talked about with like passing and, and, you know, giving Adrian a lot of time, Mizzou did not have a sack uh, on Saturday. And um, if we're not giving up sacks, that's huge. Um, if even if we're. You know, Adrian's got to push out of the pocket a little bit. You know, the offensive line is giving Adrian the time that he needs in the limited number of times he had to throw the football, but also giving, getting into that second, you know, second line there um, of the defense and getting five yards of carry. I mean, that's key. Yeah. I, if this offense is going to be a, pri- a predominantly running the football type team, a five and a half yard, average per carry is going to be going to be good. So um, I would take that through big 12 play, I admit. Um, so offensive line, you know, Hay- uh, Hayden Gillum just coming in. I mean, he he looks really good um, filling in. And, you know, that's exciting, especially with, you know, him being a sophomore, you know, we get a couple years of him lifting weights and whatnot. He'll be just like Cooper Beebe. I mean, he'll be looked at as a, a top O-line going to the NFL draft.
0: My only concern with Gillum is the high snaps, but if he can clean up some of those high snaps, then he
3: will be he will be a god beater, world beater yeah. on on a line and SM. and Hadley Panzer too. I mean, I I kind of missed that and meant Hadley Panzer, but uh, Hayden Gillum. I mean, he was he's been really good at the center position as well as a senior. So, um, I mean, overall, I've just been really pleased with the offensive line. I had some concerns going in, um, just with. You know, you're having to plug and play sometimes and, and looking at how good our line was last year. I've been really pleased um with, with how they've looked so far. It's kind yeah. of uh, – the,
0: it's almost like the Big Ten, like the Iowa or Wisconsin model. You want to get those in-state guys and, and be able to identify those guys that have the right frame for what you're looking for. And this staff has done such a great job. Connor Riley's done an incredible job of identifying what those guys look like, getting that homegrown talent and putting them on the offensive line. You, you'd love to see that stuff. And it's, it becomes more of the – you think about Georgia, right? You think about these teams that do more of a reload if we can just become the next factory for offensive linemen, it's it's not that far-fetched of a thing. We've already had it with Cody Whitehair and Dalton Reisner and some of these guys that you see, Cornelius Lucas, like we talked about. Um, but we've already seen it with a lot of these guys. It's exciting to think about. This could be just continuing to reload. But I think a lot of these guys, there's more quantity of them than there is just one or two on, on our line now. And the, I have- if I – Oh,
5: sorry. I was just gonna. No, s- I, I was just wanna yeah. mention one concern that wasn't a concern of mine until, you know, Scott Wildcat brought it up in his podcast. But I, I can
4: wait. No. What? No, go for it, yeah. Cole, Cole, Cole. Cole, go, go for
5: it. Uh, just earlier today, like, I mean, I, I need to pay attention to the offensive line more. But I feel like when I'm watching the games, I'm just constantly watching the ball, so I don't notice as much as like the details of everything. Scott did mention uh, KT Levinston. There was a couple times where he was going to go get to the second level when he's either pulling or blocking and he tried to get to the second level. and It seemed like he just didn't really know what, what he was supposed to be doing or who he was supposed to be blocking at that second level. And That's my only concern, and just because I'm going to blame it on Scott Wildcat because he put that shit in my mind when I was listening to his podcast, so now that's a concern of mine.
1: I will say, as the expert O-line technician on this podcast, uh, yeah, it's it's a thing with KT Levison where he, when he's aggressive, he is a very, I would say, great O-lineman. When he's run blocking, you can watch the goal line play where uh, Deuce Vaughn scores our first touchdown. Watch that play back. You'll see KT Levison get off the ball on those run plays. When he has to, and when he gets into pass pro and he gets too receptive for a D lineman, he's not quick enough to fight the hands with these guys, and they're too quick. And he needs Cooper BB's help, and we don't always have the ability to give Cooper BB KT Levison's undivided attention. When you're watching a game, Cole. I would not recommend trying to watch the O line on the first watch. Watch an O line is definitely a second and third rewatch where you can pause the pause the game, see what the D line stunts are doing. Then you can watch the O linemen and see. You could kind of just look and see who's supposed to be picking up who and what they're doing on that play. So that's what I would I would do if you're watching a game the second and third time. Watch the O line that way.
5: Blame blame it on blind faith, man.
0: We've had a lot of blind faith through the years as Cats fans, so I, I get that 100%. I think the last thing I want to chat through is before we move over to the two-lane preview, and again, we've got Kelly waiting, so we'll get them on stage here momentarily. But uh, special teams and defense. The defense forced four turnovers, four interceptions. Um, do we feel like the defense has lived up to expectations? And then and then we'll go quick around the horn on special teams I feel like it's kind of fifty-fifty. You know, we've we've got Ty Zetner as the All-American punter who's kicking bombs left and right, but Tennant has been spotty at best. We've I, I want to say he's close to like a fifty percent completion rate on on his field goals. It's it's pretty miserable right now. So I want to go quick around the horn. Give me your thoughts on defense and special teams. We'll start with uh, Coley Dub. I want to hear your thoughts
5: first. All right, let's get it. Um, I honestly, when it comes to defense, you know, everyone brings up – everyone brings up how, you know, there's been plays here or there where maybe our cornerbacks got beat. But when people say that, I just think how – not necessarily luck, but it's just no defense is going to be perfect every single play, but a little bit of luck plays into a great defense. We saw it in 2011, 2012. I just think that, you know, you're going to have those plays where it's like, oh, this could have happened, but it didn't. Um, When it comes to kicking in special teams, I would really love to think that Chris Tinnett's going to get together, and that's what I think. think, I'm hoping he comes out this week, has a perfect game, because – Besides that, I don't I don't really know what we have as far as like backup kickers go. I hope we're not gonna have to call like a you know, uh shit. What's what's the head coach's name at uh Texas Tech or was it Texas Tech like ten years ago? Mike Leach? I hope I hope we're not Leach. I hope we're not gonna have to call him Mike Leach like hey. Does this university have anybody that can kick a football? So I don't know.
0: I, Lane Kiffin I, just did, I, I don't know. I think about Lane Kiffin I like just did that at all miss. We got and we've got Justin like, Reed for the Chiefs yeah, or, who is or who's or kicking I'm for
5: us days. right now. Right. I just would like to believe that I think Kristen it's gonna get his shit together. I think like he has the talent, he has the leg, and like I said, this in Bosco Boys. Before he goes up for a kick, someone just needs to crack him a joke, tell him something completely stupid. Completely random, just something that takes his mind off of like, oh shit, you're about to kick. Just anything that takes his mind off the fact he's about to go kick a football.
2: And that's gonna that's gonna figure everything out. I'm with you there on Cole. I'm I'm with you there, Cole. And I remember my coaches did that and it just make us laugh playing a playoff game or whatever, but um sorry to interrupt. <laughs> You're good, Nick. Um, no, give us your give us your thoughts, man. Yeah, uh, didn't mean to cut you off there, Bob trolls me. Um Yeah, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to remember. Everybody's expectations was for de- defense. Um, my, I don't think I put this out, but my initial thought process for the, you know, the mob and being back was I'm, I was kind of hesitant since it was year two of the three three five and kind of seeing how we lost some quality uh, players to the draft and graduation. But I think um, I think this will be a statement game to be officially back. Um, if we cause havoc like we did uh, against Mizzou, you know, interceptions, sacks, whatever, you have it. Um, I think this game will be a statement game and really solidifying and putting a stamp on the mob is back. Um, special teams, obviously, um, the return game is is what it is, you know. But uh, like uh, Bob was saying, you know, 50%, that's not passing for kicking a field goal. So that's that's a bit of a concern. And just making sure that like Coley Deb was saying, just think about something else. Get him, you know, have the placeholder say, hey, you know, a joke or something, whatever it is. Um I, I like that how uh we need someone needs to do that for him just to like you like holy Dub said, just get that off of his mind and then just take a big big breath, relax, kick it. Um so yeah.
0: Agreed on that. And and I if I had to just quickly answer, I think Defensively, I think we've I would argue that we've exceeded some expectations. And we, we knew we had Felix. We knew we had Khalid Duke and we knew we had Daniel Green. But outside of that, there were a lot of question marks uh, on safety. And I know that there are some question marks with our linebacking depth. And I have been just very, very thrilled with what we've seen from Josh Hayes, what we've seen from Austin Moore. Um, Those two guys had 57 total snaps. They led the team in snaps on on defense. So it's been awesome seeing those two really plug and play and and do a great job. On the special teams front, you love to see Phil Brooks return a punt return for a touchdown. That was awesome to see. The streak continues. It's what every year we've had some sort of kick or punt return since 1998 or something like that. So you love to see that. Uh, And then Chris Tennant, it's just it it wrecks me to see that continue to happen because you got to feel for the kid. It, It sucks to see that happen. I'm friends with Jack Cantelli. I've known him since kindergarten. I saw what he went through after the Auburn game in 2014. And it's it's heartbreaking seeing that and seeing especially a college student go through that. So hopefully, hopefully I said it on Bosco's boys. I hope that we can get to a point where. He gets out of whatever funk he's in. Sometimes people just get the yips, and then you just quickly get out of it. But I'm hoping that we don't have to go to Simmering or Leighton, some of these guys that I don't even know what they've got, but it doesn't sound like they have enough to really even contest Chris Tennant at this point. So it's going to be interesting. I, I miss the the kickers of old, going back to you know Blake Lynch, the Cantellis, the Ream brothers, Grammatica, uh, we've had a pretty good history of kicking, and, and I hate that this is happening. Um, but I hope that he can get out of this funk because it really sucks to see it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't want to see it from a young kid, especially with promise that he has, strong leg. Is I think it's not necessarily – you guys will talk about, like, just whispering in his ear and get him to relax and stuff. I think he's pretty chill from what I've seen. I think it's all technical he has so many different variety of shots from, that he's trying to do from different angles on the field. His PATs are always line drive bullets. For some ungodly reason, he likes to list line drive those straight over the, the lineman's head. But then when he's from 45, it's this nice arcing shot, this field goal that is just looks picturesque. It might not go in, but it's it's right there on the money, basically. He hits it perfectly, just like you would see it in the pros. But he has just so many different variety that he tries from different angles, and it's just unnecessary, I think. I'm not a kicking coach, but I just don't see the best guys kicking it that way. If you're going to kick a PAT, kick it the same way you would kick a 50-yard field goal. Um, the defense, by the on the other hand, the expectations couldn't have been reached faster. The safety room, we all were concerned. It's our biggest and brightest spot, really. There, It was brought up that we have wide open receivers sometimes running down the field, but you're going to have that in communication. But when you get a team that can gr- get their hands on balls and take them from the offense, that's what you're that's what you're there for. You need playmakers in that back end. You know what you got with the front seven. Austin Moore's been a bright spot, but I think we're gonna get Will Honus back. Khalid Duke, bright spot. He's healthy. He's running around there wrecking kids, and our D line has been our D line. We always knew that they were our golden child. Um Matt can tell us what what he saw, but I, I'm ready to talk green waves.
3: Yeah, I'll just go really quick. I mean the fact of the matter is our defense has had six turnovers in the first two games, which I would have taken that in a heartbeat. If you think about in the beginning of the year, playing South Dakota and then Mizzou um, absolutely, you know, taking that a hundred percent. The Missouri game showed a lot for me from the secondary because of Mizzou's game plan of, for some godforsaken reason, throwing the football all the time. Um, but the secondary really locked down, those wide receivers really, really well. I mean, Luther Burden, I think, only had a couple catches. Um, you know, he had four, uh, looks like four. Um, no, he had four attempts, uh, one catch for three yards. That's awesome. I mean, he's, you know, a guy everybody was talking about in the beginning. Um, so at the end of the day, defensively, we really have, I think, also exceeded expectations. Um, You know, this weekend, we need to continue that momentum and, you know, obviously come out with a victory uh, before we head on the road to Norman. But um, and then from a special teams perspective, maybe I will give Chris Tennant a little small pass for this weekend. I know it's bad to miss a PAT, bad to miss a field goal. I get it. Um, I look at the conditions on the field. Um, I just, I give him a little bit of a pass, but he has to be on point this weekend, you know, making every PAT. If we get into a position where we're, you know, in field goal range, he's got to be nailing these things before we hit big 12 player. It's going to be, you know, we're going to be in a situation where we have those close games, you know, against these big 12 teams and we need a big kick and he's got to do it. So, um he needs to be be on point this weekend agreed on all fronts all right here comes a section where
0: we talk to an opponent so we've got kelly here from the fear the wave podcast blog i think it's i think it's both kelly feel free to correct me if i'm wrong but uh, we wanted to bring you on and talk a little bit about the, the matchup for this weekend. So I think the first, the first thing that any of us had uh, in reviewing uh, this game was the line has moved from 20 and a half points to 14 and a half points. Is there, is there some kind of juice that they're putting in the water down there in New Orleans that we don't know about? What what, what kind of plugs do you have in Vegas that, that you can tell us about, Kelly? <laughs>
7: I wish I knew. Uh, and I hope you guys can hear me. Okay. I'm, I've been driving all over Kansas all day. So I've had, uh, been driving in my, um, Tulane garb and, and have, uh, gotten quite a few comments. So didn't realize the, uh, Kansas state fan base extended as far as it does.
1: You um, sound great by the way.
7: Good, good. I appreciate that. I think that, um, you know, Tulane is, is a huge unknown. And, um, I don't think we know very much about the green wave from the first two weeks of the season, you know, playing UMass and Alcorn state, um, starters were out in both of those games by halftime. I think Michael Pratt, the quarterback played one play in the third quarter against Alcorn state. It was a 72 yard touchdown pass and that was it. So they haven't been tested very much. Um, you know, a lot of unknowns coming into the season off of the two and 10, uh, you know, 2021, but a very talented team and a a very experienced team that had gone to three bowl games in three years prior to last year.
0: That's an impressive track record. That's an impressive track record. So it looked like in, again, kind of reviewing, I I know Ace who was on here earlier uh, has done some reviews, but it, it looks like kind of a heavy RPO offense Uh, What do you expect to see out of the green wave in Manhattan on Saturday as far as some of the offensive scheme is concerned?
7: They'll stick with what they do best. Uh, It will be heavy RPO, but it will also be they're going to want to try to get the running game going um, against both UMass and Alcorn State. Uh, The defense really loaded the box and just tried to take away the running game. Probably our best player on offense is our our halfback uh, Tyje Spears. He's probably our best guy outside of our quarterback. And, um, you know, when he gets going, he, he really uh, – he's the, the straw that stirs the drink for our offense. I mean, he ran for 264 against Memphis in the last game of the season in 2021. He's a guy that actually was uh, down to Tulane in Kansas State on the last day of recruiting a few years ago um, and opted to stay home and go to Tulane. So I know he's been looking forward to coming to uh, Manhattan – He took an official to Kansas State a couple of years ago. Um, But I think they're going to try to get him going and try to, you know, get some push from this offensive line is has two new starters that transferred in from other schools and just hasn't the the pass blocking has been great, but the run blocking just hasn't been there so far. Um, And I guess the the passing game is kind of, you know, uh, been something we've been working on trying to improve. And it's been something that's been successful in the first two weeks, but we're not just going to be able to sit back there and throw uh, against Kansas State.
0: And from what we're hearing and, and looking at forecast-wise, it does look like there could be 30 mile an hour winds potentially. And so I'm curious, have you have you had a chance to play in a game like that yet as a team in the first two? I know you you put like a 50 ball up on one uh, one of the teams and and 40 on the other, but. Um, were any of those games in high wind situations and do you think that that, that weather may potentially have a, a chance to, to harm the passing game?
7: Well, I mean, one of the great uh, great advantages to living in South Louisiana is it rains every single day in, uh, in, the, in the summer and in the spring. So they've got a lot of experience dealing with bad weather, dealing with high winds, um, practicing in bad conditions. We don't have an indoor practice facility, so... Um, you know, when, when we do need to use an indoor facility, we go to the Saints facility or the Superdome um, when it's available. So, you know, we spend a lot of time practicing in the rain and and trying to deal with that. But no, the, the first two weeks of the season, um, the, the weather was, was fairly good. The first week it rained a lot before the game started. So there are a lot of wet conditions, but, um, you know, the field turf kind of cleared out. Midway through the first half, it wasn't as slick as it it, uh, it had been prior to the game. So, no, we haven't had to deal with any kind of big, uh, big weather issue.
1: I, I, we're talking about the passing game, and you mentioned not having to deal with the elements. But with the weapons that he has, he's been able to get the ball at a pretty efficient rate. Can you tell us about some of the weapons that he has? I know for sure I've been noticing a kind of a shorter tight end, but he gets the ball and he scampers.
7: Yeah, sure. Uh, Tyrick James is the uh, the tight end you're talking about. He's number 80. Uh, he's about 6'2", 245. He's a guy that's more of a receiving threat. Uh, we have a, a bigger blocking tight end that um, will do more of the dirty work in the run game. But Tyrick is a guy who's uh, – I believe he's a fifth-year senior this year. Played a lot of ball, um, caught a lot of passes. I think he was our leading receiver last year. Um, but, but the offense last year was such a, a mess. It's, it's uh, difficult to say who's going to be the star receiver week in and week out and who we're going to target the most. Um, basically what we have, those three punt returners who we like to get the ball in their hands and let them do work after the catch. And uh, Jaquan Jackson, Lawrence Keys, who's a Notre Dame transfer. And then Day Day McDougal, who's a transfer from uh, from Maryland. Uh, Both Keys and McDougal are four star recruits out of high school. Um, Keys just, you know, suffered injuries at Notre Dame and and transferred back home after he got his degree. And then McDougal actually played with Michael Pratt, our quarterback in high school um, and and opted to transfer to Tulane in the offseason. So they really want to get the ball in those guys' hands on jet sweeps, on reverses, on short passes, and let them do work after the catch. Uh, We also have two bigger receivers in Shea Wyatt and uh, Deuce Watts. Shea is um, a transfer from Central Missouri who actually played for our offensive coordinator, uh, Jim Svoboda, for two years at Central Missouri and then transferred to Tulane um, and was our leading receiver last week. I believe he had five catches for a buck 30. Um, and a touchdown. And then Deuce Watts was our leading receiver two years ago, had a subpar 2021 20, and hasn't really been a factor yet, but he's a bigger guy. He's 6'2, 6'3, 200 pounds, um, can make contested catches, can d- get down the field. So w- this is the first time in a long time that Tulane's actually had weapons on the outside and guys that can make plays after the catch.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you brought up earlier that the expectations you don't really know what you're going to get because last year was a two and ten season. I know you guys were dealing with a hurricane and all of that. It was some displacement I think was happening. Um, What's what is the the kind of theme of the team? Especially I kind we're sticking with offense for right now, but what is the theme of the team? Are are you guys a a kind of? I know you guys spread them out, but are you guys kind of those road dogs are you kind of expecting a lot from this team in terms of being nasty wanting to go out and kind of expecting to win this game
7: you know I think the players definitely expect to play well I think that they think they can win the game I don't know Tulane fans y'all said you guys uh, you know manufactured a little bit of optimism Tulane fans manufacture pessimism by the truckload so um, if you ask a Tulane fan if we can win this game most of them are going to say no, definitely not. But if you, uh, you know, being around the players a lot, uh, you know, you mentioned fear the wave earlier that it's a, it's a podcast and it's a, a media platform, but it's also our NIL platform. So in that respect, I get to um, interact with the players a lot and get to know them on a personal basis. And um, a lot of good kids, a lot of experienced kids who really do believe they can win. I mean, even though we had a bad season last year, this was a team who had the ball with a chance to beat Oklahoma on the road in the first game uh, of the season last year. And I think that they they believe that they're that team. Um, they wore down last year, had, had a bunch of issues with coaching and some other things with our offensive coordinator just didn't work out. But I think that they we were extremely experienced across the board, maybe not necessarily playing together. Like I mentioned, we have two transfers on the offensive line who have played a lot of ball, just not together. So I think that they they believe that they can win the game, um, but it's going to take a, a pretty much perfect effort, uh, no penalties, no turnovers, and generating some turnovers on defense to, to stick in this one and have a chance.
1: That That's kind of what I was expecting from the offense and kind of expecting from this team because – growing up Tulane has kind of always been a dangerous team, especially last year. I mean, you gave a big 12 team fits in Oklahoma on the road, which should have, I think it should have been a home game for you guys. But the defense is kind of what I always remember from Tulane. And there's kind of a connection between K-State and Tulane. I think one of your starting cornerbacks is Lance Robinson. It was a a huge pickup for us in recruiting was a Bill Snyder recruit kind of tried to stick it out with Chris Kleiman, but made his way back home to new Orleans and Tulane, this defense with Lance Robinson. Can you tell me some players and what this defense brings an attitude that's going to bring to Manhattan?
7: Sure. I think it like, like the offense is extremely experienced on defense. Um, our, our, um, strength is our linebacking core and our secondary. We have three um, safeties in Lummy Young. Um,
1: He's the Duke transfer, right?
7: Lummy Young is a Duke transfer. He started 25 games at Duke. Uh, Chris Hampton, who is our defensive coordinator, spent a year at Duke as a secondary coach. And when uh, Young came on the transfer market, he had a lot of places he could have gone. But he opted to uh, follow Coach Hampton to Tulane. And um, yeah, I mean, he started 25 games in his career, making Clark started over 30 games in his career. Larry Brooks has started over 30 games in his career. So uh, they moved Clark down to the nickel and um, those guys are, are extremely smart. Um, they can all run a little bit. Um, not the biggest guys in the world, but definitely guys that can, uh, that not afraid of contact They'll come up and hit you um, so far untested this season against the pass. I think, if you look at the stats, I think Tulane's second in the country, um, you know, in pass defense. But that's just a function of UMass not wanting to throw the ball at all. And Alcorn State was kind of inept. Um, couldn't, you know, couldn't protect their quarterback, couldn't get the ball off. So uh, it'll be an interesting test. But those guys are, ex- are really experienced. Then on the outside, um, probably our most talented defensive player is Jaden Kennedy. He's a true sophomore cornerback who played nickel last year and he's moved to the outside this year. He's got legitimate power five starter credentials um, and potential. He's a track guy, not the biggest guy, but uh, played extremely well for us as a freshman. Uh, We have high hopes for him this year. Um, And then on the other side is probably, you know, we we have Lance Robinson, who's played a lot of good ball for us this year and uh, really came on towards the end of last year. If I had to pick a weakness in our secondary or, or a question mark, it would be uh, Jarius Monroe, who's our other corner. Uh, he transferred from Nickel State after um, being named All-Southland all, uh, all Southland Conference two years in a row. His brother was a uh, four-year starter at safety at Tulane. Jarius is big. He's 6'2", got long arms, can, can run a little bit, but – he doesn't have a lot of experience at playing this this level of football. So if I had to pick a guy that if I was on the Kansas State offensive uh, coaching staff and I had to pick a guy to test, I would test him early and often. Um, and then, you asked about you know, our, our strength is our linebackers, Nick Anderson and Dorian Williams. Uh, Dorian is probably going to be drafted in the middle rounds this year. He's 6'2", 230, 235. Uh, really good. Um, coverage linebacker, but also will come up and hit you. Nick Anderson's a fifth-year senior, um, junior college transfer, uh, a defensive captain, just a really good all-around football player. And I would not be surprised if we saw them um, move to defensive end on passing downs and, ha- and have Nick and Dorian rush the passer. Uh, we saw it a couple times against UMass. They're just um, – you know, it's, it, it's great having two 235-ish pound um, speed rushers on the outside who um, have who, who played a lot of ball. And then behind them, we have two younger linebackers who are very good coverage linebackers in uh, Jesus Machado and uh, Corey Platt Jr., who've done a really good job in the first couple of weeks. So um, that's our strength. Our biggest weakness right now, we lost our starting nose tackle the week of the the UMass game, Adonis Freelou was out for the year with a, a torn ACL. So we're kind of uh, holding that position down by committee right now. So if, um, you know, if you're looking at a spot that might be a little weak, it's uh, interior defensive line, um, our depth took a pretty big hit when Freelieu went down.
3: Well, Kelly, I uh, I know that I can speak for everybody on the pod and saying thank you for, for all this. Um, I think we all want to hear, you know, truly, what it, what are you thinking about this weekend? You know, what do you, what's your prediction for the game? Um, what do you think from the Tulane side? Um, you're going to see out of your team, and and you know, give us your thoughts. Give us your prediction.
7: Well, you know, you guys were mentioning special teams. Special teams is another thing that our kicker went out before the season started. We're we're rolling with our uh, second string kicker. He hasn't missed one yet, but Especially in difficult conditions, um, that's gonna that's gonna be a big advantage to Kansas State. I think, Um, you know, just not knowing what to expect. I'm gonna say Tulane plays really hard. They hang in there for a while, and uh, I'm gonna say Kansas State 34, Tulane 21.
1: Wow, that's 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 a tight game. I think you would have a lot of Tulane covering. I think you got a lot of Wildcat fans nervous too. This is I
7: kind of, about that. I, you know, I would say this. I think that Kansas State, if they play, if they play a very, you know, vanilla um, game plan, trying to hold things back from Oklahoma, then we'll find ourselves in a lot closer game. I think if, if what will be success to me is if I see Kansas State having to open up the playbook a little bit and having to show more things um, because the game's a little bit closer than, than expected. I
1: think you're going to get the best case state that you can possibly get with the conditions that will be at the stadium in Manhattan that day. I don't I don't necessarily see it being that close, but I think Tulane has a lot of talent. i watched a lot of the games. Your quarterback has got grit and I'm excited for the game. You, you're I hope you're going to be there, obviously. And I hope you enjoy the hell out of Manhattan, buddy
7: and i appreciate it guys i'll probably be one of the five people wearing tulane stuff so if any of you guys are there and you see you see uh a big guy wearing tulane stuff come up and say hi
0: yeah you you heard it here first anyone who's there if you see see anyone wearing green say hi give them a nice uh give them a nice fireball shot if you're around at the tailgate kelly thank you so much for hopping on it's been great to get your insights, and uh, I appreciate the uh, the very you know realistic prediction. We sometimes we get people on here, and they're like, "Yeah, South Dakota is going to beat K State. Can't pick <laughs> against my team." So I appreciate the realism that you have.
7: I appreciate you guys. Thanks. I enjoyed listening to you before I came on.
0: Awesome, awesome. Thanks, Kelly. All right, we're gonna go around the horn real quick and give our predictions. Any any keys to victory that anybody else has. I will go ahead and kick it off. I, I just gave it on the Bosco's Boys live show. I'm going to go with 3721. so really only three points off from Kelly's prediction there. Um, I, I, at the end of the day, I think we're going to cover the spread, but just barely. I I am a betting man, so I'm not going to say if I was a betting man. I am a betting man, and I would not have taken the cat spread at 20-and-a-half. So I, I got it locked in at 15-and-a-half. I still feel a little bit antsy about that, but – I, I do feel confident in what the cats are bringing to the table. I think our defense has been locked down all year. Knowing that the, that the Tulane Green Wave has, has scored 40 to 50 points in, in each of their first two games, I do think that we will have to contain their offense, and they will put some points on the board. But I think we're going to stop the bleeding at around 21. Uh, so I will go ahead and throw it over to, to Chef, and then I will invite the rest of the, the crowd here to the stage so we can get some takes in on predictions, and then we'll go through uh, some guys talking ball here at the end.
1: Yeah, I I gave my prediction as well. I'm going 37-12. I hope I remembered that right. 37-12, I think we shut them out. We We don't let them in the end zone. Their kicker seems pretty accurate. I forgot about the weather conditions. He might miss a couple. Who knows? But four field goals for the Green Wave. Give us another dub, maybe. Come on.
3: I'll, uh, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm thinking 38 to 14. Uh, so I think we're going to cover the 14. And I thought we were going to cover the 20. Um, I do see this team going in and with this razor sharp focus that they need to be in. Um, we've heard a lot this week about the Oklahoma game. Um, admittingly, obviously, a 7 o'clock kick in Norman. We've heard all this stuff about Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Well, this two-lane game is going to be a really good fight for this team. You know, bringing in a, a team of this stature in a Manhattan, they have to be on point and they have to be focused. Um, I think the team offensively, we're going to see a little bit more from the passing game. We're going to see our typical um, rush offense doing its thing. I'm going to say 38 to 14 cats.
1: Get in there, Coley Dub. Dub, Get Coley in there. Oh, man. In.
5: I was just listening to our guy from Tulane. By the way, I don't know if he's still on here, but he gone. I just wanna, I just wanna credit to, well, hit, well him and just the uh, Cocaine Cats all together about how every week now you guys have had some other, you know. You've had the opposing team perspective, and it's fucking fantastic. We tried for Mizzou. We tried,
1: but, you know, Uh, they're a bunch of fucking...
5: Well, fuck Mizzou, because Mizzou's a bunch of meth-head fuckheads. So, what I just wanted to say is, I like, that's probably my favorite part, is, like, when you get another team's perspective on, like, what they have, what they can expect against us, like, it's fantastic, because, you know, it's nice to hear. you know, we're all... We're we're all homers for the most part, so it's nice to hear, like, hey, I get your homers, but we got some dudes too, you know, to calm my – to calm my uh, positivity, I guess. Not positivity. To calm my uh, big-headedness of an elite K-State fan, you know? Um, But I – in the, my original predictions, I had 45-17 cats, but uh, in Bosco Boys earlier tonight, I changed my prediction to 52-17 to cats. So I'm going to stick with it. We're going to get, we're going to unleash. Ev- well, not, we're not going to unleash everything, but we're going to get some special teams defensive touchdowns. I think I predicted. Pre- I think I. You, uh, you got it, buddy. Uh, I, pro- <laughs> I projected a <laughs> uh, 42. Yard touchdown return from the defense by Julius Brents. So I'm on 52 to 17 cats.
0: I love it. Will, do you have any any takes on Louisiana drivers, New Orleans drivers, you know, Tulane math majors? Give us everything that you have.
8: Yeah, so I, I assume you're referencing what I said in the chat. So right after college, I actually moved in with a guy. there's a few of us in the house, and we uh, we all live together, and he actually went to Tulane. So he's from KC, actually, though. So he's a Missouri driver, not a New Orleans driver. So I don't know if that elevates or degrades him in people's eyes. But um, my score prediction, I'm going to go with 34-13, a little bit more reserved than I said originally in the chat. And I think that's because we're going to do what it takes to get done. We'll have to open up the playbook a little bit more. I think we want to get a rhythm. More than we were against Missouri, but I don't think we'll open up everything all the way because we got OU the following week. I don't think our eyes are going to be on OU, but I don't think we're going to go all out against Tulane. Will, what do you think of the uniforms? I want to get your
1: take on that. And then oh, I want to go yes. around, around the table real quick uh, after, after uh, Mike gives his, his prediction as well.
8: Uh, Well, did you just want me to wait? no, no, no. The round table is going to be
1: on Tulane's uniforms. I want to hear what everybody thinks they're going to wear, but I want, I want
8: your, your thoughts on the uniform. I haven't heard you say anything about the uniforms. Oh yeah, sir. I jumped in late. I was busy earlier. So also I appreciate the cocaine cats time because it allows me to jump in and actually participate in a live show on Wednesday. So thank you for being the late night crew. But, um, I really, I really like them. I enjoy them. Uh, so I like the cat script. I actually almost forgot about him. I was telling a friend how this is the first time since before I was born, we changed the helmets and we did do the cat script, but that was actually a throwback. Technically this is not a throwback because we've actually, to my knowledge, never used this Willie on uh, anything, but some basketball short versions like from the seventies. So this is like that a is whole correct. New thing. Yeah. So I think that's pretty neat. I've always enjoyed also the logo on one side and the numbers on the other. You know, they they could have reworked it to have it both on both sides, but it's a little trickier than some other ones. So I I don't know. I'm a big fan. I've sent it to some people that are casual K-State fans or non-K-State fans, just like, hey, check this out. And everyone's hyped about it. And I think that's what they're trying to do is they know they'll get some extra buzz because it's a green wave, and we can kind of match that energy with our own energy and create an even larger story for people that normally wouldn't pay as much attention. And I think that's their goal, and it seems like it's paying off. So I love it. All right, Mike. I
0: know you can legally be a betting man now due to your due to your efforts in the Kansas legislature. So, what's your prediction? Are you taking the cats to cover the spread, or are you going with the green wave?
9: Uh, so, so yeah. Pardon the ignorance. Uh, what's the spread at now?
1: I, I it's it's kind of a little bit everywhere, depending on what site you're looking at. But I've got it at fifteen and a half or 14 and a half. Yeah, I had it 15 and a half on FanDuel here in Colorado. Okay.
9: Okay. Well, this is not a super hot take that I'm, I'm kind of uh, near where, where Will was. I had like 13, Tulane lane and like 28 uh, us. I mean, I think two lanes going to get in the end zone at least once. Cause I mean, nobody's as bad as Missouri. Um, so it's, you know, shame on us, but you know, and maybe that'll be a second or second or third string defensive effort at that point. But It'll probably happen. Okay, it can get weird if it's rainy. Um, I, I think we, yeah, we still try to be as conservative as possible, um, just to, yeah, not don't make mistakes, get the get the job done. At the end of the day, as long as we win, uh, coaches will be happy. Um, I'll be happy. Um, uh, and real quick on our, yeah, on the helmets and uniforms and stuff. I mean, I, I guess in general, this is not a hot take. I don't think, but you know, anything that juices the uh, the students. The uh, players, in particular, that it, it gets us any points at all with recruits. I'm I'm up for pretty much anything. I mean, as long as it's not some caricature of Willie taking a dump on the American flag, like I, I'm here for it. It's let's 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 go do do whatever do whatever you got to do if it gets the players going. I'm here for it. Fantastic.
0: Anybody else have any final takeaways on the preview before we talk through? uniforms round table and then guys talking ball and we've got a player we've got a player to talk about
5: no i'm excited i just want to say i'm excited to talk about the player i have a little tidbit on that which is kind of funny but i also just want to say i love the cats i think honestly me and scott i i messaged scott because uh before we found out about the unis we were kind of talking and initially scott wasn't too hyped about the uh Tom and Jerry Wildcat, but he kinda changed his ways. He loved it. And uh I think I just told him, I think I love the Tom and Jerry uh logo, the pennant logo, the Wildcat pennant, whatever you want to call it. Um just because like as a kid I remember watching Tom and Jerry and I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. This logo is awesome. So I just want to say I'm pretty excited about that, just cause it's very different. It's something that you know, none of us have seen on a helmet, and it seems like the college football world has taken notice, and they all love it as well.
0: I kind of grew up not loving that logo for whatever reason, but now seeing it on the helmet and seeing it on, you know, some of the merch and stuff that's out there, I, I've it's grown on me a lot. I, I was such a like hardcore diehard Power Cat fan for such a long time, but that was like mid 2000s. Now I'm I'm obviously a, a diehard Cocaine Willie fan which I would have loved to see on, on the helmet. That but, checks but to out. Scott, but, to, but to Scott's point, he was kind of talking about it, you, you really have to do it right for it to look right on a helmet, and and I get that too. So it, I, if I we can pull it argu- off, we should pull it off just, at some point.
1: I think his argument was that it was there was too many fine new details to put on a helmet, which I think is a crock of shit though because Missouri's actual logo with the tiger that it's faces to detailed. the right – it's very detailed, and they put that shit on a helmet all the time. It doesn't have to be a massive cocaine willy to go on the side of it. I'm, I think it.
5: I'm just going to say, I think we're going to see more alterations throughout the season. At,
8: more alterations throughout the season. You you heard it here first. Holy totally devil with oh, the hookup. Hey, I'm
5: not breaking news.
8: Haven't we done the cocaine willy on the side we of the haven't. helmet before? Not
5: yet. But I think we're going to see some different alterations. Really? I think That's we've what done
1: I'm the saying. we've done the wildcat pride, like that forward facing cat that was from like the '70s with the silver helmet. Yeah, or the, no, the purple helmet with the white white cat on the side of it. Let's can we talk about two lanes uniforms real quick? Oh, they're please fucking do. They're beautiful. Dirty. Sick. They're dirty. Incredible. I'm gonna, but I'm I'm predicting that they're they're not going to wear the baby blue helmets. I think they're going to wear the green helmets. With the white and then powder blue pants. So I'm going green helmet, white jersey, baby blue pants. Uh, I'm, That's what I'm going to go.
3: I'm going powder blue helmet, powder blue pants with the white. And I've seen a picture of those and they're ooh, they're good.
6: Yeah,
5: no, I saw I saw that too, um, Matt. I think it was thrown out there on Twitter like this weekend could be the best uniform matchup all season.
1: What do, you, what do you think they're gonna wear, Cole?
5: I'm just, I, I don't know what they're gonna wear. I don't have an idea. Uh, they we, have white we should helmets. Have asked too. Our, we should have asked <laughs> our fucking guy who was just on here, but um, yeah, we should have. No, the the Twitter matchup I think was like that, like teal. What? what I don't know what you want to fucking baby blue, teal. Not teal. It's fucking like baby blue. Baby blue helmet. With the wave, white jersey, paper blue pants, like
0: those look sick. I I will say that they're white. their white helmet with the the powder blue. It that's such a clean look Uh, with the powder blue top on it. I gotta call
5: them. It looks so good. What if? What if they? Speak. uh, It's open forum. What if, dude? Can you like? As a obviously not a Tulane fan, but fuck, if they came out in all whites with the little Tulane logo. The snowman,
1: Tulane logo, shit. They, you know what they really need to bring uh, before I want before anybody else predicts, they need to bring back that fucking pelican. Do you guys remember the pelican that they had? I feel like they had a pelican. I might be making that up. Yeah, no, no, it was surfing.
8: Did.
1: Yeah, it was a surfing pelican.
5: They also had what was the little. They had like a little guy, like a little. That is, that is a home
0: field apparel What's, shirt, and no, hashtag no free ads, as, uh, as uh, Scott would say, but yeah, there's a home field apparel shirt that's a vintage surfing, two-lane pelican surfing on a wave shirt. Two lanes crushing the game. That, that's, Pretty fire.
4: Yeah,
1: they're, they're, they're probably the elite of the elite when it comes to uniform variety, but it's not like Oregon where it's all wacky and shit. It's just a nice football uniform with variety.
5: They're the greatest uh, G5 program for uniform apparel to exist here today.
1: That's fair.
0: I would agree with that. Uh-huh. I would agree with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with uh, powder blue, white, powder blue. I think that. I think that's my take. Yo, Will, it, Mike, any thoughts on the unis? And if
3: hey, if, Matt, Bo- if Bob Trollsby says something's right, it's gonna happen. Just like last week's 14 parlay. That netted it mm. nice, <laughs> nice $800.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. I I have some locks for this week, but I'm not feeling as confident in this week's as I was last week.
5: Can we he think- talk about them? I, I, I play $50 on the Chiefs tomorrow night, so I'm really banking on that hitting
0: hit the over so, three and a half. So last week I took App State on Moneyline because I watched App State and AM in week one, and I thought that. A&M looked like ass against a very average Sam Houston state team. Yeah, they put 30, they they 30 balled them 30 to nothing, but they really didn't look that good. Uh, I took the Cats money line. I because I frankly I didn't like the spread. In retrospect, the spread was more than right. I took KU spread at 13.5 because one, they played West Virginia super, super close last year. That score was less than less than four points. Uh, and then this year, I mean they they fifty balled the first team that they played. And I'm like, West Virginia, they're coming off of a loss to Pitt. I really don't think that they're they're as good as people think they are, and I don't think that Pitt is as good is as good as people think they are this year. Because no. they lost their they lost their offensive coordinator, they've lost their quarterback, they've lost uh, they lost their main wide receiver. And so I felt very confident about the KU1, and that ended up being one of the best picks I took last week. And then the fourth one, I'm not even remembering what it was, but I think it was another you it was Iowa made State bank, to cover.
7: Bro. Yes,
0: you yes, yes, it was it, Iowa. <laughs> yeah, it was it was Iowa State to cover. Um, again, the justification being Iowa looked like ass in week one against South Dakota State, and then two Iowa State they put 42 points up against Semo. Granted, they're playing Semo, but coming into it. They were also due. I don't think they had won against Iowa since Matt Campbell took over. So I, I just feel like they were a better team and they showed it. They were a better team in Paso. So I felt That's really good about saying these much. picks. That's not uh, saying no, much not. being a better team. No, it's not.
5: So what are your picks this week? Like you're holding out money from us. What are your picks this week? <laughs> All
0: right. So my, my locks my locks for this week. I've put got OU spread against Nebraska. Oh, I'm talking through them. I've got OU spread against Nebraska. I think the last few coaches that have gotten fired, their teams have gone in and and gone ahead and win the game the next game. I don't think that's going to happen for Nebraska. That team is totally defeated. They've got an awful culture. They suck ass, and they're playing OU. And, frankly, I also want OU to come into next week's game riding high, thinking they're 3 and 0, thinking that they're coming in and, and just going to beat the shit out of us. So I'd I I talk- rather go in with a chip on the
1: shoulder. Go ahead. I will I will say that Nebraska not going in there, oh no, they're going to they're going to Nebraska. This will this is going to be really the test to to shut the fuck up for Nebraska fans about Adrian Martinez. If he puts up any semblance of numbers, he's 3-0, and and they get blown out by Oklahoma when Adrian kind of drugged them to a tight game last year versus Oklahoma. Right. It's going to be the nail in the coffin for that. And I know they're not even thinking about Adrian right now, but that'll be the nail in the coffin.
0: Absolutely. Could, could not agree more with that. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got OU on the spread. I've got the Cats on the spread at 15 and a half. Um, the 20 and a half would have been a little bit concerning for me, but the 15 and a half, I feel pretty confident in I've got BYU three and a half, uh, plus three and a half against the ducks in Oregon. This
3: one, this this one's
0: a little dicey too, but Hey, I am I'm going to be riding high going into this week. So, so we'll see what happens. I just, dude, I, I think, I think Oregon after what happened to Georgia, I just don't think that they're really all that good and maybe I'm crazy, but BYU point. And BYU's riding the high of they just beat Baylor. They're ranked in the top 10. They have an opportunity to go in and beat a Pac-12 school, and Dude. I think they're undefeated against the Pac-12 in the last two years. So I, what's, what's to say that they're going to not continue that streak?
5: I just want to say this about BYU as a person who's seen way more BYU games than anyone should have. They always have a solid quarterback, and they're always just – they're just good. Like, they're – I don't remember the last time I've seen a BYU game where just they look shitty. They're always they're, good. They always have a solid quarterback. Like, they're just consistent as fuck. Like, no matter what, they're always consistent. It's just like They're good, the but
1: this week they're beat the hell up. That Baylor game in the week prior to that, they, ah, they've facts. lost a lot of bodies. That was double They've lost overtime. a lot of bodies.
5: Are they getting their receivers back? Are they back this? their top two receivers? Are they back this week? Are they, are they also I think out? one of
1: them's still out. I think one of them's still out. But they're well, shit, that guys step up.
5: Man, you're right, man. Like, fuck, two overtime games is going to cost Don't listen to me, fucking Bob. These are Bob's locks. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not it's
0: not like a two overtime game it's not like a two overtime game against Xavier uh, where you're you're, you're you're gonna have to it's not like that you're not gonna have to turn around and play the team the next day or two days after that so I feel a lot more confident in this one than some of the others uh I've got Penn State minus three and a half covering the spread against Auburn I've got KU plus nine and a half covering the spread against Houston. And then I've got UTSA covering the spread plus 11 and a half against the law. You
5: got all this in a parlay. This is all you expanded your fucking boundaries. My guy.
0: I mean, I did six. I did six and I I
5: threw God damn. You know, what was your last game?
0: Uh, UTSA covering against uh, Texas, eleven and a half.
5: Well, guess what? It's always the last fucking leg. It's always the last fucking are, leg.
1: Are the they Pops down anymore. to their third stringer? And in, they in are. UTSA? That I think that's
5: been confirmed. As, as of They're now. down to the, yeah.
0: But Bijan, was... Bijan might be okay. Bijan might be okay. So it, I mean, it's going to be very interesting. Yo. Hudson Card's either going to be limping out there, or it's going to be.
1: I their, I third think string. it's their
5: third string, but. You, I, you hit this
1: parlay, you're flying me out to Colorado, guys.
5: <laughs> right, like we're celebrating for you if you hit this parlay. We, Yo, we oh, absolutely. We live our bang lives through you now, Bob Trollsby. I'm, I'm two, here for it.
3: There's two other games to look out for: Washington and Michigan State. Washington's a three and a half point favorite over number 11 Michigan State. And Texas, Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a five and a half point favorite over Miami in College Station. Are you shitting me? Is another one that is that is wild to me.
5: Dude, that's Miami's top twenty-five
3: right now, right? Yeah, Miami's thirteenth and A&M is twenty-fourth, and A&M is a five and a half point favorite in College Station. Yeah, Miami's quarterback situation
5: is just straight fucked. You said what?
3: You said Miami? Oh
5: no, no, no! no. I'm sorry, A&M. Texas, no. Yeah, A and M's quarterback situation is so fucked. They have no options. Oh, offense. it's awful. It's yeah. so bad. I have a <laughs> down here I have a buddy who graduated from AM. Well, I have a buddy, his wife, and I have I have some friends down here who all graduated from AM and yeah, he was pretty pissed last weekend and they're uh it's not looking good. It just seems like AM was that consistent 8-4 and four team in the SEC that we all projected them to be ever since they left. Yeah,
0: because so. they were a consistent 8-4 and four team in the Big 12 every single year. Exactly.
5: Um, if, like, or I, worse. I would, if I did if if I if I was not a good person, I would rub this shit into him every fucking weekend. But
1: there's another game I tried not
5: to be an asshole.
1: There's another game that I want you guys to look at. That NC State Texas Tech game. I think the line's grown, but it's at ten. I there I don't think there's any way that Texas A and M covers that. I mean uh, Texas A and yeah, Texas Tech. Texas Tech gets anywhere close to it being a ten point game. I think NC State blows the doors off of them. I Yeah. I You know,
3: Texas Tech and Houston last week, Houston is not a good team.
5: Houston should have won that game. If
3: like if Houston should have won
5: the game, but I don't missed.
3: think Houston is a good team.
0: And hence right. why I have the Hawks, the Squawks, covering against Houston. Can we, they may can not we win. talk Houston about games for a win, moment? But.
5: Like, what the fuck? Like, like.
0: I mean, sure. Do I we, need
5: to worry about KU at this point in the season? or like no,
0: no, absolutely not. See it play out. No. Lance Leipold is going to get his paycheck in Lincoln, Nebraska, and we're never going to have to let's worry about KU go. again after
8: about six Hell weeks. Hell no. They've barely beat anybody. Look at last year. They only won games that were a single-square loss. They've had to go to overtime this year, and this is the softest part of their schedule.
5: You're right. Let's go, Will. Let's go, Will DuBose.
8: Exactly, exactly. Hey, look, look, they're improved. They're I improved agree. for sure. I think Lance is the best coach hired in a while, but this is what happens for every team. They have the non-con, they feel fucking great after beating a team 60 to nothing, and then they come back to earth when they have to play conference teams. Now, KU did play a conference team, but they played a team that actually, and this is what's crazy, might be worse than them this year. Dude, yeah. West
5: Virginia cannot figure it the fuck out, like, I don't think Neil Brown makes it past week six. I'll set the over/under. Wait, what are we on week three technically?
0: When do we play him? Uh, Because you know, coaches get fired. November, late November, seventeenth or fourteenth, like mid-November.
3: Yeah,
5: because do they do
0: they wait that long? Do they wait that long and wait until K-State plays them and then then can them after?
5: after It depends how rich their boosters are, right? Like. Do they have the fucking money in West Virginia to fucking pay this? This What is it, like 12 or it's like 10 I think million? It's 15. or 15. Something stupid. Because Frost, Frost, yeah. Frost
0: was 20 and I think his is 15. I don't know, but with their acceptance rate, you would hope that they have someone with some kind of money somewhere.
8: You know what's wild about West Virginia? And this is really unrelated, but if Manhattan, Kansas was in West Virginia, it would be the largest city in the state
5: dude i'm so uh, uh-huh. west virginia is the like i'm sorry i'm just ranting right now but west virginia is the state in general as a whole that confuses me more than anything else like i see a picture of west virginia and they have, they have the weirdest fucking state lines that i've ever seen in my life it doesn't make sense to me I'm it's just beautiful very, though it's I'm, very- I'm, I'm based off
8: of yeah, just, yeah. I'm a, blame the Confederates. I'm just a, blame the Confederates. I'm exactly. a very
5: stupid person that I don't understand how state lines were given. So, so one but of the borders just, is like, the Ohio it just River. It Doesn't make fucking sense to me. One of the and I, I'm, is the I'm, I'm Ohio adding myself as an idiot. I'm adding myself as an idiot, and I'm okay with
0: that. One, of, one of the other borders is Pennsylvania. That was already drawn. It was part of Virginia, and Virginia decided that they wanted slaves. And then West Virginia's like, fuck this, we're out. And then they seceded from a state that seceded. So that's how the state lines were There's drawn, just like a little a hook. Nutshell. There's like
5: a little hook in there, and like that, that doesn't make sense. Like why does someone yeah. not fix that? I'm
9: just this,
0: is, yeah. this should is, be part of a This, Ohio. Is the best. this is the be best. part of best. <laughs> sure. And for
5: the slavers. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for bringing up stupid conversation but like I'm just dumb and like it just looks so bad to me as a
1: but they I'm are dumb they are person. I they always have this um what what is it like perception that they're like nasty hillbillies, but they're the nicest damn people
5: ever I will say I would love to go to a game in West
1: Virginia come on down, brother
5: before come on down uh, before Absolutely. i before I die, I want to go to a game- like you know what was sad, so I would love to go to a game in West Virginia sometime, A cats game specifically, obviously, but man, I was watching that uh k u at West Virginia game last weekend. And, dude, the crowd looked so fucking dead. Like, it was a little well, bit rainy. It, it is, was a little it, bit rainy, and it didn't look as bad as K-State. But, like, you heard some boos. You heard, like, it just did not look like a great
0: Their
1: students
5: like, Losing to, their,
0: to the squawks will do that to a crowd, though, I will tell you. They put Absolutely. their student
1: section in a corner, and they have a giant seven-foot-tall chain-link fence that separates them from the general population. <laughs> they, what the fuck? They're... They're kids. That's badass. There's their, their students sell you Molly before the game, and then you have to ride a A train trolley to get to the stadium. Is, and and there's
5: like the, that's the, the only A train, right? Like there's like one specific thing, like little train that gets.
1: There's four. The there's four of them. There's four of them, and they all go <laughs> different places. But there's one that goes to the stadium, and it, if it's a game in late November or December, it gets. Frozen over and it doesn't move and you get stuck out there. It's so funny. and it's a like, oh, well, hey, like chain Western, link or, fence?
5: Morgantown's pretty small, right? Like it's smaller than Manhattan. Right? It's
0: the smallest town in the Big Twelve.
7: It's
1: tiny, right but it's it's awesome. I mean, they have a Buffalo Wild Wings.
5: <laughs> no, like
1: hey, is that chain link
8: fence so that if the students curse, you can't hear them curse? Yeah, it it the, the chance. It stops the chance. It gets raucous so though when when did. when
1: I went in 2014 and 2016
5: dude it was raucous. No dude like it, when it, when it's live it seems live but like man it just seemed so dead the other night when I was watching on TV but like West Virginia is one game I'd want to attend someday.
0: For sure. For sure. I feel like we are talking about literally anything but ball at this point, but I do want to bring the conversation back full circle to guys talking ball. Let's go. Which is this week, this week we want to talk about Cody Cook. And if you're, if you're able to talk, come on up, hop on the stage, Hayes, if you, if you want to, anyone else who's in the crowd, if you want to. Um, But yeah, we've got Cody Cook this week. My, my memory of this And Fireball Matt, if you remember this, I don't know if you were there for it, but it's the Oklahoma State game at cover three in Austin. Oh, Oh my God. I was fucking hammered that night. So I don't remember jack shit other than the fact that we were this close to beating a top 25 (laughs) Oklahoma State team with the backup to the backup to Mm -hmm. the backup quarterback
3: who was our wide receiver. Okay, dude. I was actually at the game. So I went – I drove from Austin to Stillwater for the game. And, um, when, so Hubner got hurt, I think I want to say it was like the first quarter. And right when we saw Cody cook coming in entire, like it was me and a couple other people were like, this is going to be the shittiest game ever. <laughs> like we're playing a wide receiver, blah, blah. Well, hell, you know, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, we have a fourth quarter lead. I mean, Oklahoma state, they kicked a field goal with whatever, was it a minute to go? Um, So the fact that we were in a game against a top 25 Oklahoma State team in Stillwater playing a wide receiver at quarterback was one of it. It's an underrated K-State fandom moment being in the stadium and witnessing that.
0: And then he went on to be the starting quarterback because Bazooka Joe was hurt and Ertz was hurt at that point. And so he ended up starting the bowl game that year, which I know we talked about a few weeks ago against Arkansas. We don't have to get into the to the nuances of that game, but that was just one of the wildest sequences of events that I've ever seen in in K-State football fandom history.
1: It was a beautiful sight watching Cody Cook out there. I know I gave Tyler Thompson a lot of shit in Miami for wearing nineteen, but when Cody Cook was wearing 19 with his double wrist tape. Looked like he wanted to wear gloves, but he decided not to just like two seconds before that. And he was out there slinging that thing off his back foot. He didn't give a shit. He was throwing them off his back foot and he was dropping them. I think it was Deontay Burton like the number one receiver that year. I'm not sure, but yeah, he was probably and it was it was just gross, but he would get out there. His ankles are all he's got the ankle braces on. He was a beautiful receiver, and now is he
5: is he still at Hutch? He's at Iowa State. No, he's at Tennessee. Oh, he was oh. A, he was at Iowa State, right? He's at Tennessee. No, uh, he was at. I, Hutch, didn't he just community. accept a job at Tennessee?
1: Yeah, he definitely like a, he's definitely at Tennessee now. I definitely remember seeing that.
0: I could have sworn. Oh no, I'm thinking of Jake Waters. Jake Waters is at
1: Jake Iowa State. Jake Waters, yeah, yeah, he's a traitor. He's, Iowa State. he's yes. a he's a scrub. Fuck Jack
6: Walters.
7: <laughs> Jack Walters. Me and good buddy, no, Cody- buddy
5: Vaughn <laughs> all his senior season would call him Jack Walters.
7: I don't understand
1: how Cody Cook – when I think of these guys that were like K-Staters through and through, they spent a couple of years here from the JUCO ranks, and they, they, they're they Kansas guys and they appreciate Kansas State. How do they not like get these receivers and players that they coach? To get to commit to K State, like was who was it? Malik Benson. He was the number one JUCO receiver and ended up going yeah. to was it was it Auburn or did he go to Tennessee? Wait, Malik Benson. Yeah, Malik Benson I, was. Why am I thinking Alabama? No, you're right. You're right. He went to Alabama. Yeah, yeah, he's in Alabama. and and that guy he we offered him a preferred walk on out of out of uh, high school. Local Kansas kid, but he went under Cody Cook's uh, receiving tutelage, and now he's at Bama instead of K State. I I, I will never there. I'll <laughs> never forgive Cody Cook for that. <laughs> the hell I'll with the Liberty it. Bowl.
3: I have a fun Cody Cook fact for everyone. So in that West Virginia game, he threw a 77-yard touchdown pass to Deontay Burton, which is tied for the 12th longest pass
1: in school history. Man, that was a dot, too. Cross the field, and (laughs) then Deontay Burton stiff arms that dude right in the face, and he trots into the end zone. That was sick. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that uh, I, I I think we're both literally reading this off of the k State sports website <laughs> yeah. but that that pass came on the first offensive
5: play after his own
1: rushing touchdown. I, w- I want to yeah. hear Coley Coley Dub's story on,
5: yeah, I mean it's
1: yes, please
5: it's, it's nothing like crazy, but like so before the season even started before K State even played their first fucking game that season, um I have a fantasy football league up in cant, like well. So, yeah, I've finished the League, but it's mainly made up of some friends up in Kansas. And we had, like, a draft party that year. So we had a bunch of people over. We were drinking, drafting. I think we were watching, like, Notre Dame at Texas. Or, or, yeah, Notre Dame at Texas that year where everyone thought, like, Texas was back after they beat Notre Dame by a field goal. So we were watching that game, drafting, drinking, having a good time. And there was this guy who was – he was a little older than – like more most of us. And when we were drafting, you know, at some point throughout that night, he mentioned like, Oh, by the way, like Cody cooks taking snaps at quarterback. So this was like before the season fucking started, he was like, Oh, this guy's like Cody cooks taking snaps at quarterback. And I was like, and me being an, well, not necessarily an idiot, but me being like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Like Cody cooks, a wide receiver. Like, we have guys at quarterback, like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he mentioned that, and I just thought nothing of it. And then sure as shit, like, halfway through the season, Cody Cook's our starting quarterback. And I was just surprised as this shit. I was like, oh, my God, that fucking – that guy was right. Like, he had some sort of inside information, but Cody Cook was taking snaps at quarterback before that season even started. That's and then how we found out
1: that was Cody Cook that was telling you that.
5: <laughs> I wish it was the Cody Cook telling me that he was taking snaps at quarterback, but it wasn't. Like, that's what's crazy is, like, like this guy, like, just the fact that, like, that's how bad our quarterback depth was that season, that our one of our JUCO transfer wide receivers was taking snaps at quarterback before everyone even knew. And then midway through the season, it was like, oh, shit. Like, that guy was right, like, four or five weeks ago. Telling me that Cody Cook was taking snaps at a quarterback. Like, oh, he was right. He knows what he's talking about. Man, so, there's was nothing crazy, but it was just the fact that, like, I didn't believe a goddamn thing that guy was saying. And then, like, five weeks later, oh, fuck, that guy was right. Cody Cook is our quarterback right now.
3: So, I guess I forgot. So, that Jesse, Hur- Jesse Ertz was the starter that year, and he got hurt. Um But Alex Delton was on that team as a freshman. And then there's this other guy. I don't know if anybody remembers Jonathan Banks. But this was, like, this recruit that came in that everybody was, like, kind of excited. Um, he was, like, a JUCO quarterback. And everybody thought, oh, yeah, he might come in and, like, be the starter. And he got beat out by a wide receiver. So that was when we figured out. No.
5: Oh, wait.
3: Well, and I, no,
0: I remember Alex more. Delton.
5: Tell me more. He's I remember Alex to Delton,
3: too, at the beginning of
0: that season. we Everybody was kind of trying to hype him up a little bit. But we never, we never
1: saw him. And maybe he redshirted that season, too, but. They they switched John. It was funny that you said Dude, he got beat out by a receiver because they like ended, Yeah, he was he yeah. transferred to Tulane, but before he did that, he tried to go out as a receiver. It was so funny. They basically oh. just swap positions. So, I don't even remember it, that. Yeah, he, he like it's very similar to the Daniel Sam story where he was a a kind of a hype recruit. We brought him in. He gets beat out. He yeah. got beat up. Daniel Sands got beat up by Jake Waters or Jack Walters, however you look at it. And then he, he goes, tries to transition to receiver and then transfers. That's exactly what happened to Jonathan Banks. Yeah, it was right. so weird. Oh, he wore number nine too. That was a, I love that number on a, a yeah. quarterback.
3: And Alex Delton got hurt in the beginning of the year and got a medical red shirt. So his 2015 was a red shirt, but he played two games this is, this is just Snyder 2.0 in a nutshell,
0: <laughs> this whole it really conversation. I, it, was, it was weird because I feel like we could kind of see the writing on the wall with some of the Cody Cook stuff. We could kind of see the writing on the wall with some of the big bowl losses that we had, but then you had the high points, too, where you had the, the Texas Bowl win against A&M, and um, Miles Garrett was on that A&M team. You had the win against Michigan, which granted Michigan was kind of at a low point in their in their school history, I guess, from a football perspective. But that was a big high point for us because it was similar to that That's LSU bowl win that we just year. had. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's just it's just weird, kind of thinking back on those things. And then what was it? The Cactus Bowl that uh, that Delton led us to victory that in UCLA
1: with uh, Josh Rosen.
0: Yeah. So those were – well, Josh, didn't Josh Rosen sit out of that game? Weren't they playing their backup because he was he had declared for the
1: draft already? You're right. Yeah, You're okay. right. They did sit about – But out. it was and his that was the, It was that his was, team. And they were only the like na- a seven-win
5: team. He rushed like the whole second half. He was just doing quarterback draw, quarterback read all That day. was
1: the nasty uh, boston Cyberson leg break game, and he never recovered from that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I – Boston Stiverson is a family friend of my of mine. So, yeah, that that I remember very vividly. That was a tough thing to watch for sure. Well, let's, let's not
1: end it on a sad
0: note. Let's uh <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. Uh anybody else have any other thoughts on Cody Cook or or Snyder 2.0 or uniforms or anything while we're at it cuz I just poured a full beer. So, I'm I'm here and I'm just going to be editing tonight, so
1: Let's just enjoy oh, football yeah, season. Up. Let's 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 enjoy this football season. It's going to be one of the best that we'll ever remember, and we're in the freaking middle of it. Let's oh yeah, soak it all in. Let's enjoy these podcasts. We're all kind of new to this, and we'll we'll meet back here in a week, and we'll be talking another dub
5: soon. Oh, well, yeah, let's roll the green wave,
1: man.
0: Let's roll them. Let's roll them. Any, any parting words from anybody else before we sign off tonight?
8: Uh, I will quote the uh, late and great Andy Bernard, who said, I wish there was a way to know when you're in the good times when you're in them. Dude,
5: that's a fucking classic. <laughs> like, I'll never forget watching The Office the first time through. Mm. And like hearing that quote, I was like, God damn, that is such a good quote.
8: Oh, it's great. And hey, hey, we are 2-0. Oh. We just got a new helmet and not everyone, but a lot of people want that for a long time. We're about to play Tulane. We just got to play Missouri for the first time in 10 years and crush them. This is how you know. Or Hey, we're out late drinking beers, talking about football. That's it. This You is, know. This is how you know.
0: This is how you know. Well, for, for my co-hosts, Fireball Matt and Chef Andre Napier. This has been Cocaine Willie, Wildcat Country.
8: Let's ride. Cocaine's a hell of a drug.